On this edition of Magic Pod Squad, presented by Kia, we catch up with Orlando Magic CEO Alex Martins. Alex has been a very busy man as he has gone through extensive detail to make sure Amway Center is ready to open its doors to fans here soon this season. That was the terrific news coming a couple of days ago that Amway Center will indeed open its doors for fans. So we get into what fans can expect, how they get into the building, where they can sit, what fans will get tested, what fans won't. Basically the new normal of a Magic Game Day experience inside Amway Center. So a ton of terrific information to cover with Orlando Magic CEO Alex Martins. Tune in. This is Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. This is Evan Fournier. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. Check out what's new with the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. The host of characters give you a behind-the-scenes look at Magic basketball. The Magic Pod Squad has you covered. Subscribe and rate on iTunes and the Google Play Store today. And welcome, everyone. This podcast is presented to you by Kia, official vehicle of the Orlando Magic. And welcome to Orlando Magic Pod Squad, presented by Kia, Dante Marcatelli, David Steele, Jeff Turner, George Galante, and our guest, Orlando Magic CEO, Alex Martins, kind enough to join us. And Alex, I, I got to know, if you're anything like David and Jeff, uh, are you pretty much done with the Zoom thing? Are you pretty good at it? Are you ready to be more face-to-face? Where, where, where do you sit on Zoom? I, I, I am totally over this, Dante. <laughs> I mean, I spend my entire day on Zooms, you know, and... Uh, uh, I've, I've had enough of it. You know, my eyes, you know, now have, have lost, you know, about half of their, their, their clearness because of being on Zooms for the last nine months. And so I'm over it. I want to be in person. Awesome. I, just, I, I have to brag on myself. There we go. I just want to let you know, if you look in the bottom left hand corner of my screen, it now has my name. It is no longer Jeff's iPad. You know, technology is hard for me, but I finally figured out how to get my name up there. Well, you're, you're advancing, JT. You're advancing. <laughs> Only taking nine now. months to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, we, when we've been moderating the press conferences, you know, we, have, we talk to each other uh, on text just so we can know, okay, well, who's this person? Who's that person? And I've gotten so many texts from our own staff saying, who's Jeff's iPad? And I'm like, don't worry. Don't worry, everybody. That's Jeff Turner. We're good. It's okay. He's, he's legit. Uh, and Alex, Alex, you only asked people to do that, what, nine months ago in the full staff meeting, I think is probably when you were asking for that. Probably for the first time, but yeah, you know, it took Jeff a little while. Yeah, it's how right. long I've been working on it. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Alex, we, should all, guys, we should all own stock in Zoom. We should all <laughs> yes, be so lucky. Yeah, Goodness. Sure. These, guys, these guys have been riding me. David and Jeff both have two daughters. We have Christmas around the corner. I have two daughters. Is your shopping done? What What am I in for as a dad with two daughters when I get a little down the road? Uh, well, it comes in phases, you know. Um, so I have two teenage daughters. Yep. So um, things get very God bless particular. You, Alex. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, things Things get very particular, and you know I've come to find out that uh, the thing that millennials like the most is money. <laughs> so okay. the, the Christmas, the Christmas list has gotten shorter and shorter every year. <laughs> that's yeah, like, no, that, that uh, at least it's simplified now. Right. 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 I, think right. Gen X, I think Gen X feels the same way. I, I, I can only speak for me. <laughs> so if you're looking for a last minute shopping gift for me, I'll, I'll take that too. Well, the guys, the guys have already been to the thrift store for you, George. So you're, you're out of luck. That seems perfect. <laughs> you're all set. Yep. You're all set. Well, Alex, big news yesterday. I know you had your, 
uh, a press conference. You were able to address the media. We are so excited with uh, basketball right around the corner. Uh, in two days, you opened your doors to Amway Center for, for a home preseason game. Uh, one of the big announcements was at some point we're going to have as many as possibly 4,000 fans uh, in our building. But before we get into kind of all the protocols and everything, how much work have you done behind the scenes, you and your team and, and all of your partners, to get us to this point, all the research where we can get to a point where we feel comfortable opening our doors? Oh, I mean, it's been a Herculean effort, Dante, for sure. And our team, our staff at the Magic has been really working around the clock uh, since the league determined that we were going to come back and play, uh, you know, beginning Christmas week. And, um, you know, it's been it's been a fire drill, quite frankly, because it, it has happened in a short period of time. You think back on the fact that, you know, last season only ended some seven or so weeks ago. Um, so it, it, it's been a bit of a fire drill. And in, in essence, what we're trying to do is to, you know, replicate uh, as best we can um, all of the protocols that happened in the bubble, but in our arenas. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot more challenging for sure, you know, because we don't have one location to play games in. Uh, and the teams obviously will be traveling around the, the country and staying in hotel rooms and going to different cities and the like. Uh, but as it relates to the Amway Center and the arena, uh, a lot of the things that we'll be implementing are, you know, lessons learned from the bubble, you know, in, in trying to keep everything safe. And uh, it's just a lot. I mean, it, it's it's going to be uh, different, uh, but it's, I, you know, I, I, I know that it's going to be safe. Uh, and that's the most important thing. Forgot to take myself off mute. And, I'm and new to David, this David, thing nine, too. nine months. Nine months. Nine months. I know. <laughs> I At least you should. I got my name right, but I, the mute thing still throws me off. Who did you go to to try and, and get help uh, with regard to making the the Amway Center safe? I, I know that there there have to be third parties that are out there that that can help you put this thing together. Who who are the people that you went to? Well, first it started with the league, right? And the league has um, utilized a number of health experts. Um, they have a health panel, you know, that they're running all of these protocols by, including Dr. Ho at Columbia University, who is one of the most renowned epidemiologists in the country. Uh, they've used experts at Duke University and, and Johns Hopkins. Um, and um, as a matter of fact, have consulted with now incoming, again, uh, Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. So, you know, at the league level, you know, really high level uh, world renowned experts locally, you know, we've really relied upon and, you know, we'd be lost without them, quite frankly, um, our friends at Advent Health, you know, they, uh, they have a number of uh, top notch epidemiologists right here in Orlando, including uh, Dr. Coleman and Dr. Sue. Um, who we've consulted with every step of the way. You know, they've come to the Amway Center and walked to the buildings with us several times to talk about uh, the type of things that we should be focused on, uh, how we should socially distance, how we should, um, you know, uh, uh, distribute food and beverage, uh, really everything that, you know, our, our fans and, and our staff and our coaches and players would interact with. So they've been an enormous, enormous help. Uh, and then we've, you know, we're following CDC guidelines in, in virtually everything. And, um, you know, just yesterday we had um, uh, the Florida Department of Health walk the building with us, walk through all of our protocols uh, to ensure that they were comfortable with the way that, um, you know, we were opening the building and, and going to be keeping everybody safe. So it, it really has been an army of people, an army of experts, David, that we've consulted with to help us get to this point.
Alex, you talked about the league, the advice you got from the league. And, uh, you know, I, I'm interested in your take on uh, Adam Silver's leadership. I, I, as a player, I was a part of the Players Association as a rep. And I, I know that that back and forth between the league and the Players Association can be a little adversarial at times. But I'm just really impressed with the way Adam has brought together so many experts and then in conjunction with the players association been able to pull off first the bubble and now a return to play talk about his leadership a little bit well his leadership is absolutely outstanding you know and he's been you know a, an absolute rock you know during this entire time um you know we we meet uh in various different ways every week you know um through the board of governors through the team presidents uh, of course, you know, I sit on the, the restart committee um, and, you know, we meet with him in the restart committee and, you know, he's just been level headed. Um, he's been open minded, you know, and certainly um, I would say that, you know, one of the great traits that, uh, you know, he's exhibited during this period of time is that he's really listened. Um, and, you know, to your point about the Players Association, Jeff, you know, I just think that he's developed such a great relationship with uh, Michelle Roberts, uh, and the leaders of, of the union itself, you know, like Chris Paul and, and others. Uh, he's in constant communication with them as well, um, you know, conveying to them all of the advice that he's getting from the medical experts and, you know, rationally talking through uh, really every parameter in, in helping us to get restarted and, you know, helping us to uh, do it safely. You know, we all know that it was a big debate, you know, at the time as to whether we were going to start, you know, at Christmas time or whether we were going to wait, you know, further into January. Um, and, you know, he took in all of the advice from everyone, including, you know, our broadcast partners, by the way, um, and, uh, you know, ultimately was able to, you know, convince the players that it was best that we start, you know, with that tempo event of playing, you know, our nationally televised games on Christmas Day and and also important for us to get as many games as we could get in during the season uh, before the end of July so that we weren't in conflict with the Olympics next summer uh, from a television standpoint, which was another important element for our, our media partners. So, um, you know, he's just he's been a rock. Uh, you know, he's he's like I said, he's he's been um, very communicative, uh, you know, has great relationships with uh, the Players Association, with the owners. Uh, and he's developed trust. Everybody trusts him, you know, because of the decisions he's made and uh, because of the way that he communicates with everyone. And, you know, when you can build that level of trust, people follow. Um, and, um, and, and like I say, I mean, he's, he's really listened a lot uh, to a lot of experts and he's made the right decisions, you know, and he and his team have done a great job, you know, did a great job in executing the bubble. Uh, you know, we'll be talking about that for, you know, decades. Uh, you know, the success of the bubble. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to pull, you know, the regular season off in, in you know, somewhat of a, a regular fashion with, you know, being in our buildings and traveling. It's going to be a lot harder. There's no doubt about it. It's going to be a lot harder. And, uh, and by the way, you know, I think it's uh, unlikely uh, that we have the same track record of no one, uh, you know, testing positive uh, amongst the players and coaches once we start playing regular season games. I hope we don't have anybody, but uh, what we do have in place is, uh, you know, a process where we'll be able to isolate and quarantine and, you know, ensure that, you know, it doesn't spread if, if we do get to that point. 
but you know, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a great journey and uh, we've got a great leader that that's, you know, taking us through it in, in the commissioner. Alex, what was the, what has been the back and forth? You mentioned the debates and things with the commissioner and the NBA and what, what have, have there been any debates when, when you were going to host fans at our building? Cause there's only a, a hand, small handful um, of teams that are. Oh yeah. There's been a lot of debates, George, you know, and, and look, this is, you know, I think when you talk about 30 teams with, you know, 30 different owners from 30 different parts of the country, um, it's very much like you see the landscape across America. Um, you know, the opinions are, are varied, you know, and there are the ultra conservative and then there are those that, you know, want to be liberal about everything. And um, so there's, there's been a lot of debate, you know, I'll give you one, for example, I mean, right here in our own state in Florida, of course, our governor would let us fill the building if we wanted to. Right. Um, and, and so our friends in Miami, you know, very much want to be able to do that, uh, because opening the building to a small number of people like we're going to is, is not a money-making proposition. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going to lose significant dollars in doing this. And we'll talk about the reasons why we, we, decided to do it. But, you know, in Miami, you know, they have really, you know, been proponents of, you know, doing it safely and doing things like COVID sniffing dogs, um, you know, to there's a wait, hold on, there's a COVID sniffing dog. <laughs> there are COVID sniffing dogs. And, it, and, wow. you know, they are able to sniff out whether someone is even, um, you know, uh, anti-symptomatic, uh, you know, but is carrying the virus on. Yeah, absolutely. You know, no different than bomb sniffing. David, bomb is coach a sniffing, a COVID sniffing dog, you think? <laughs> no, no, he's, he's, he's resting peacefully okay, back right. here. I was just checking. But he's, he's sniffing at his food. But, but anyway, to finish my point, Sorry. Uh, you know, Miami, you know, wants to have a full building. And, but since they can't have a full building, you know, the NBA has limited us to 25% capacity. They've made the initial decision not to open to fans at all, you know, coming out of the gate because, it, you know, in their opinion, it's just not worth it to open it for 25%. So there's those kind of debates that have gone on throughout, George. Well, Alex, it's unbelievable the great lengths you've gone to to make fans feel safe, feel comfortable. And uh, how have you kind of overhauled the building so that these eventually 4,000 plus fans can come in and, and have the safety that they need? Well, it, it, you're going to see it in a number of different ways. Um, path of travel will be a little bit different. Um, you know, certainly as we, uh, you know, get to those areas where typically bigger crowds would congregate on the way in, on the way out, at elevators, at escalators, et cetera, um, you know, you're going to see roped off areas, you know, and, and tunnels for people to sort of walk through um, and, you know, markings on the floor uh, to show, you know, where you should stand as, as you're walking through areas to keep yourself six feet apart. Um, a lot of plexiglass, you're going to see a lot of plexiglass at points of sale, you know, at food and beverage and, and um, you know, in, in retail. Uh, you're going to see a lot of prepackaged foods, as opposed to a lot of open foods. Uh, no traditional buffets in areas where we would normally have buffets like clubs and, and suites. Uh, all of our food will be served by attendants now so that, uh, you know, different people are not touching, you know, food throughout the building. Uh, of course, you know, we're going to be socially distanced in our seating. And, um, and we're going to have these zones where people can and cannot be. Uh, we're going to have a segment of our fans and our employees who are going to have to be tested. 
um, you know, and, and have a negative uh, outcome to their test prior to games, uh, particularly those that are close to the playing court, you know, anybody within 30 feet. And so all of those people that are being tested can't interact with the people that are not. So they all have to come in through different doorways and go out, you know, through different doorways and their path of travel through the building cannot cross over those people that are not tested. Right. Uh, and so those are, you know, some of the things that I think you'll see, you know, in, in the building. Uh, and then there'll be a lot of things that you can't see as well. Like we have supercharged for lack of a better term, the air filtration system in the building um, and changed out all the filters to be like, uh, really hospital grade type filtration systems so that, um, you know, the, the air is constantly being filtered uh, in the building to a level that re really has never been, been, been filtered before. So, um, you know, a, a lot of those kind of things are what you're going to see. And then there's going to be a lot of things behind the scenes uh, that you won't as well, but all in the interest of ensuring that everybody um, is in a safe environment and everybody feels safe. I want to ask I you about the testing. It, the testing, uh, Dante, uh, Alex, uh, is interesting to me. How, how, how do you test fans and, and staff who are going to be coming in that day and, and know that the test, I mean, if you do it two or three days before, then what's, what's the point? So how, how, do you, how are you going to be able to test so many people as they come into the building? Is there going to be a, a rapid test available at point of entry or how, how is this going to work? So it's multi-tiered, David, uh, for sure. And, you know, for our fans that have to be tested, again, those are, that are within 30 feet of the court, um, we, uh, you know, will be taking care of those tests. I mean, the fans don't have to get, you know, the tests themselves and pay for the tests because, as you guys know, I mean, the tests still are not that inexpensive. You know, most tests are still, uh, anyway, a, a PCR test, you know, where you get the most accurate reading. Uh, is still in the area of about $100 a test. Um, so we'll be providing those. And so for fans, for example, um, who are courtside or maybe in the ultimate seats, you know, within those first five rows of the lower bowl, we'll be sending test kits to their homes. And um, they will have to test twice within a 72-hour period uh, prior to a game. And uh, they'll get their kit at their house. And what they'll have to do is they'll have to connect on a Zoom like this with a telehealth professional uh, at the testing company so that they actually test while they're on the Zoom so that the telehealth professional can prove that it was them that tested. And they're gonna have to close up the vial, you know, uh, on the Zoom so that they prove that they closed it up, put it in a package and drop it off at UPS during the week. Uh, you know, UPS doesn't run on the weekend, so we'll have a courier service that picks it up on weekend dates. You know, if you're gonna go to a Monday or Tuesday game, you have to test on a Saturday We'll have a courier come and pick it up at your home. Um, and then all of this is going to be tied to uh, a, a clear app. We're all familiar with clear uh, at the airport, you know, which, which helps us do expedited uh, TSA uh, screening at the airport, get, it, get you to the front of the line, et cetera. Uh, well, clear has developed an app that will integrate, you know, these half dozen testing companies that are going to be used around the league into the clear app. And so uh, your results will go to your, your app, uh, your, your Clear Health app, and you're literally going to open it up and it's either going to be green or it's going to be red. And if it's green, that means you had a negative test and you're going to be able to come to the game. And if it's red, that means something went wrong with your test and you won't be able to come into the building unless, unless that's rectified in some way. Um, 
so, you know, that's sort of the at home tests that we'll be able to do for our fans. Uh, of course, there'll be people that, um, uh, you know, will, will come to the game last minute, so to speak, you know, and, and won't get those tests done at home. Uh, so we will have an on-site rapid PCR test, um, which is going to take some time to get the results. You know, they typically take 20 or 30 minutes uh, to get the results of those rapid uh, PCR tests. So they're going to have to wait outside of the building. Um, and, you know, we'll make it as pleasant as, as we possibly can and, and as comfortable as we can. Uh, but they'll have to wait outside of the building until their test clears. Um, and, and their clear app gives them the, the green light. And then they'll be able to come into the building. And then, you know, for our employees, um, you know, we'll have on-site testing. So as they arrive and uh, report for work, uh, you know, for the game, uh, we'll have a testing center um, on-site at the Geico garage when they arrive. And uh, again, you know, they'll all have to uh, wait until their tests clear uh, in order to, to get into the building. But uh, the bottom line is, is that it, it's a multi-tiered um, it just like it, it's multi-tiered within our organization and our players. Um, you know, our players and coaches are getting tested every morning uh, starting this week. In addition to getting tested every morning for a 24-hour result on a, on a PCR test, they're also going to start taking a rapid PCR test to get into the building that day. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's multi-tiered. Uh, we're utilizing, you know, four or five different labs uh, you know, national labs around the country, people like uh, uh, Quest and Bioreference Labs uh, and, and uh, Everly Well uh, are some of the labs that we're using. And um, it's a massive undertaking. Um, and uh, a lot of coordination is, is taking place amongst, amongst our healthcare experts. And, and by the way, Advent Health is going to be doing some of our testing as well. Um, so it's, it's a big undertaking for sure. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll start with the preseason games slowly and, and, you know, ramp up as we get into the regular season. Just to clarify, Alex, I, not, not yeah, every bro. fan, right? Not, not every fan, right? Uh, this right. is no, that's this, right. these not are the fans that are closest to the court. Now, what percentage of fans would that be? And then so how many fans of the 4,000 would not need to be tested, would just be able to buy tickets and, and come into the game? Oh, I, I would say you're talking somewhere in the area of 80 to 85 percent will not have to get tested, right? Um, it's, it's a very small percentage. Um, and then the other group that has to get tested is our suite holders. If they want to have, um, a larger capacity than 25% in their suites. Uh, so they'll have to get tested. Um, but it's, it's a small percentage of the total of the 4,000 people that will be in the building. But Alex, you mentioned it's a massive undertaking and I, and why go through all that? Is it, is it to have, a select fans back in the building just to be able to, to offer that. I know players are excited and we're excited to see our fans, but why take all this on? Well, you take it on because you want to have fans in the building. You want to have fans at the games. Um, you know, we did a lot of um, uh, surveying of our season ticket holders and, you know, other ticket buyers in our database uh, in the off season and in these last few weeks leading up to the beginning of the season. Um, and more than a little more than 50 percent, you know, of the respondents said that they would want to come into the building uh, and be at the games, provided that the environment was safe. Um, and so for us, that was a big number. Um, and, and so we wanted to provide that option in light of the fact that our state and our, our local authorities allow us to do it. And then secondly, you know, it's been my opinion all along that um, if we were to go through this entire season, you know, without fans in the building, 
I mean, that would have been a year and a half, you know, that our fans would not, you know, be able to come to games live and, and be in the building. And, and quite frankly, I'd be concerned about, you know, whether fans um, would, would sort of become more comfortable with just watching games on television as opposed to in person. So I think it's important, you know, for us to, uh, to have that option and, and to give them the opportunity to, to come to games. And not everybody's going to want to do it. You know, I mean, I've heard from plenty of our season ticket holders that say, hey, until there's a vaccine, you know, I'm just not comfortable being in a crowd like that. And that's fine, you know, but there is a percentage of our season ticket holders who want to be there. We want them to be there and we're going to create, we are creating this very safe environment, you know, for them to be there uh, so that they feel comfortable and that everyone, you know, is, is safest from, from the virus until we can all get, you know, the vaccine. Alex, George kind of alluded to this earlier. There's just a small number of teams that are opening their building. I think from my understanding, I think it's five maybe right now. Um, all, a lot of eyes, obviously, around the league are going to be on the Orlando Magic. And whether or not, you know, you as the leader, if you can pull this off, are you feeling are you feeling the pressure of those uh, those eyes on you? <laughs> well, he is now. Way to go, JT. He was fine. He was fine until oh, he got I, on the I podcast. Think, I think Alex was very aware. That, uh, <laughs> He's fine till till this morning. Yeah. yeah. No. Look, we're we're very well aware of it, and uh, you know we're working very closely, you know, with the league, you know, to monitor everything, uh, and we are going to monitor it on on a daily basis, and you know, see how it goes. You know, I've alluded to the fact that. Um, we're going to ease into this. So our preseason games, we're, we're not going to have season ticket holders or other single game buyers. Um, you know, for those games, we're just going to have friends and family from the organization. So uh, we, we start slowly, you know, and we'll do a little bit of testing and we'll have a couple of people sitting courtside to test that whole system. Uh, and then when we start the regular season, we won't do the full 4,000 uh, fans, the, the 25% capacity. We'll do about half of that. So that, again, we ease into it and, and we ensure that all of the protocols are working, uh, that we have the right policing in place, for, that, you know, that people are wearing masks, um, that, you know, we, we have the proper social distancing in place, et cetera. And then by the time we get to game six, you know, our hope is that we'll get up to that 25 percent and, and, you know, uh, have, you know, the 4,000 fans in the building from that point forward until things change. You know, I mean, hopefully... By the time we get to mid-season, whether it's, uh, you know, our mid-season this year will be in, in early to mid-March. Uh, hopefully by that time, uh, a good percentage of people are able to be vaccinated. Um, and if that's the case, well, the league may, you know, increase our capacities and we may look at, um, you know, increasing our capacity and going about this a different way. But you're absolutely right. I mean, all eyes are on us. There's only five teams as of, you know, our recording here uh, that will be uh you know, admitting fans into games at the beginning of the regular season. It's us, it's New Orleans, it's Houston, Memphis, and Utah. Um, and, you know, I would suspect that uh, as people watch us and hopefully, you know, we have a, a successful, uh, you know, start to all of this, other teams will come online and come on board and, and start welcoming fans. I know that there's several that, uh, if their jurisdictions allow them to, uh, are looking towards January, you know, to start, you know, welcoming fans into their buildings. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to have to just monitor it day by day and we're going to have to be diligent about it and we're going to have to be very safe. Um, and, you know, I'm sure things will change along the way, uh, you know, as we adjust. Uh, but we're, we're up to the challenge. You know, I think we as an organization, 
um, have always had uh, the approach that, you know, we want to be pioneers. Um, we want to be first adopters. Uh, you know, we, we always have this uh, organizational value of innovation and, and, and trying to be uh, at the forefront uh, and, and being a model for our league. And so this is no different. You know, it's the stakes are higher for sure. Um, but I, I really believe that, you know, with our team and with the work that we've put in, the protocols that we've established, uh, I, I really believe that we're going to be able to pull it off safely and, and that, um, you know, our fans are going to be able to come to our games and feel comfortable uh, that they're watching the games in a safe environment. Alex, how much has it helped uh, or, or hurt? Maybe you've learned different things that college football, the NFL, Major League Baseball, they've all, you know, they've done the, things their way uh, since the NBA bubble. How, how much of a roadmap has that maybe given the Magic and the four other teams to try this, even though it's, you know, it, those are outdoor sports, so it's maybe it's a little bit different, but what kind of roadmap have, have these sports given us? So we've benchmarked all of it, George, and, and the league has benchmarked all the other leagues. Uh, in addition to, you know, they've, they've benchmarked the Premier League and the Bundesliga and, you know, leagues all around the world as to how they're going about it and, and how it's worked, uh, et cetera. Um, you know, we locally, you know, have sent our staff to Orlando City games, to UCF football games, now UCF basketball games. And, and we've just observed everything and, and benchmarked and see, you know, have seen how, how it works. So all of that has been instructive. Um, all, you know, of, of that has, um, you know, lent itself towards, you know, the, the protocols that we've developed and the decisions that we've made. Uh, so it's all been incredibly helpful. Um, and, you know, there's a lot that, you know, all of those leagues and, and buildings have done that we're going to do. And there's a lot that they've done that we're not going to do as well, you know, because we've learned that, it, you know, it, it certainly doesn't work, you know, for our situation or, you know, wasn't successful. So uh, the benchmarking piece has been huge. Um, and I do believe that we've done our homework and we've done our due diligence uh, to, to see what has worked or what has not worked, uh, which has been a benefit to us, you know, to, to not go first in that regard from a league standpoint. And so we've learned a lot from everybody else. You know, you guys all know this. Um, you know, we haven't seen George pull cash out of his pocket ever, right? He's never spent money on any of us. But I look at like how much true. of this. It's Alex, very true. How, so, how much of this? So you're going to tell me of, that you're going to tell me that George was the pioneer of cashless? Is that, that what you're that about what to tell me? That's right. <laughs> I was way ahead of the curve. Way ahead of the curve for cashless well, things. Like how many of these things you got to wonder are here to stay, right? That might be a, that might be one of the things that, that comes out of this, right? This cashless society that, that George started 20 years ago. Yeah, without a doubt, Dante. And, you know, we said this in our league restart committee meetings very early on in the process this summer that, you know, this is an opportunity for us to innovate as a league um, and, and to do things that we wanted to do before. And we just, uh, either, you know, haven't had the time or, you know, have decided that it wasn't the right timing to do it. Uh, but, you know, a cashless environment is, is, is definitely at the forefront. And, uh, you know, we're going to have a cashless environment uh, in the Amway Center. So uh, you'll be able to use your, your, your smartphone device, um, you know, to, to pay for anything. Um, you know, we're going to have, um, you know, a, a, a virtual ticket system. We're not going to have hard tickets. Again, you're going to use your mobile device to, to enter the building. We've already talked about 
uh, how it's integrated with testing. Oh, oh, and by the way, the one thing that we haven't talked about in terms of what everybody is going to have to do, David, you asked about testing. Uh, the one thing that every fan is going to have to do uh, before they're cleared to come into the building is to do a health survey. So, you know, all of us have, have, have done them when we've gone to the doctor's office or, you know, other, other businesses answering those questions about, you know, have you had any symptoms and have you had a fever and have you been in contact with anyone? Um, so everybody uh, who comes to the games, all 4,000 people are going to have to fill this health survey out before they arrive. And that's going to be tied to the clear app as well. And you're going to get that green, you know, light on, on your clear health app. Uh, if, if you've answered all the questions correctly and it's going to be read if you haven't. Um, so that's another, you know, sort of uh, touchless type uh, approach that we're going to have, um, you know, to, to the fan experience in the building. Uh, but there's other innovations that, you know, we, we utilized in the bubble that uh, you're going to see continue to be utilized, uh, you know, in, in this segment and probably in the future, you know, virtual signage, for example, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you remember in the bubble, there were some uh, sponsor logos on the court uh, that you saw at every one of those games. Well, um, if you weren't there in the building, you didn't know that those logos actually were not on the court. You know, it's a new technology that we've, uh, you know, utilized with our broadcast partners to where those logos appear on the court on television and on media, uh, but they're not actually there on the court in person. Um, and so that, you know, was utilized in the bubble to help us um, make good on our sponsor commitments in light of the fact that we weren't in a normal environment. And, um, you know, that's transferring over into this regular season as well. And, and I really believe that, you know, that's an element that's probably going to stay with us for the future. Um, so this is an opportunity to innovate. And, you know, at, at every sort of major, uh, you know, stress point, you know, in our country's history, whether it's been wars or uh, financial crises or what have you, um, you know, these, these times force us to do things differently and innovate and ultimately change the way that we go about doing our business in the future. And I think this pandemic is, is doing that, you know, for the NBA and, and for our business. And some of the things that, um, you know, we've talked about that we've had to utilize here uh, you know, out of necessity, you know, in, in this pandemic, I think we'll stick, you know, for the future and, and we'll become, you know, part of our regular business. Guys, I looked at, I looked into the pod squad logo for the court, for the telecast. I, I don't think we can, <laughs> I don't think we can pull it off. I, I don't think we can get no, there. I, I think we're going to be a little bit short. We're not that big. No, we're <laughs> a bit short. <laughs> hey, Alex, I wanted to ask you about, um, it's a big ask for the fans. I mean, you think about what we're asking the fans to do, those that want to come back in, into, the, into the arena for the games. And it seems like there's potential for confusion, chaos in the beginning. Um, what, what are we doing to, to help fans you know, feel comfortable getting in? That they, When they come, they're not going to just you know, tr be trying to figure out what's going on. Where do I go? What do I do? What, what steps have been taken to try and reduce that potential? Alex, that's code. That's code for David doesn't know what to do Thursday. <laughs> Where do I go? Absolutely right. How Where am I going to get go? home? How am I going to get home? <laughs> in addition, in addition to the fact that he's got to find a, a new broadcast location because he's not going to be in his traditional yes. spot, right? Yeah, that's um, exactly right. <laughs> so, David, it's it's really about over communicating, you know, and and we are uh, utilizing all of our communication vehicles, um, you know, for all of our fans. 
to really educate them uh, on, you know, what it's going to be like. Uh, we've done videos, um, you know, we've done interviews with uh, healthcare experts, you know, Dante, you know, did an extensive interview with uh, one of our uh, experts at Advent Health just to talk through, you know, the, the safety um, protocols that we're putting in place and how it is going to be safe for our fans, et cetera. Uh, but it's, you know, through emails, through social media, uh, through, you know, hard written communication, uh, we're utilizing every vehicle possible to communicate ahead of time to everyone. Uh, and then, you know, we've been very proactive with our, our, our fan reps um, in, you know, calling our season ticket holders and, you know, explaining it to them on the phone. Um, you know, it's really been a focus of ours to make sure that we do over communicate. Uh, so that's one piece of it. Uh, the other piece of it is you're going to see a ton of signage, you know, related to, you know, these protocols in the building throughout the, you know, the Amway Center. Uh, you know, one of the great things about the Amway Center is that, you know, technologically we have uh, as many or more monitors than almost any building in the country. We've got 1100 television monitors throughout the entire uh, building, and we're going to be utilizing those, you know, for communication throughout the entire uh, evening during the games. And then there's going to be hard signage, you know, throughout the entire building, signs posted everywhere, um, you know, signs on the floor so that you can, um, with arrows to say you can go this way and with X's saying that you can't go that way or, you know, keeping people six feet apart. Um, so it, it's all about communication. We've got a detailed communication plan um, and we're going to continue to communicate, you know, throughout the entire season so that uh, people feel like uh, they know where they're going. They know where they can go, where they can't go. And uh, the fact that they're, you know, they're, they're going to be keeping themselves safe. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to all this. So we really haven't really talked about how this affects the players. You know, once a player, always a player, right? So right. I'm thinking <laughs> from the product uh, on the floor. And, and I'm just thinking about, does it give us, of an advantage from a player's standpoint i want people in the building i i need that energy people used to ask me all the time when i was playing oh did you hear me i was screaming and things like that and i would always say i you know i don't really hear what people are saying or i, I don't really pay attention to the music but i realized that i from broadcasting david will tell you this is like you feel the energy in the building so i don't know i'm just throwing it out there what do you do you think I, I think maybe this gives us to play our home games with people in the building is an advantage for our players because of that, uh, that energy that, that they, they get from the fans being there. Well, anecdotally, I can just tell you the experience that our team has been through in the first two preseason games. So we played in Atlanta. Uh, there weren't any fans uh, in the building in Atlanta. And, you know, I've already heard from our players that it was, you know, it, it was a really strange situation, that it certainly wasn't the same. Uh, there wasn't the energy uh, in the building, you know, that, that they're accustomed to. Um, and of course, you know, you had piped in crowd noise and piped in music, but that's not the same. You know, it doesn't yeah. create that same kind of energy. Uh, so they said it was really, really strange. And they said they were looking forward, you know, to coming home and playing games in our building, knowing that we are going to have fans in the building because there'll be, you know, a different level of energy there. Now, look, Jeff, you know that part of that energy comes from 18,000 people yeah, uh, absolutely. at the same time, right? So even, you know, having 4,000 people in the building will be better, you know, than not having, you know, fans in the building at all. 
uh, and there will be some energy, but the energy won't be quite the same. But I do think that our players will, you know, feed off of that in light of the fact that they're going to all of these other buildings and there's nobody in the building there at all. Right. So I think it will be an advantage for sure. And, and I think the players will be able to feed off of it. And by the way, you know, I think they're going to be able to hear, um, you know, specific fans and what they're specifically saying a little bit more clearer because there's fewer in the building. Right. Um, That's and, not good guys. for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to watch my P's and Q's now. Yeah, it's not good yeah, for me. Yeah. The vice president of common sense is going to have to, uh, <laughs> have to reel patrol, it in. patrol himself. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, I'll, you know, Alex, that's a, you, you bring that up and, and you'll appreciate this because uh, I started my pro career at the Brendan Byrne arena uh, in East Rutherford, New Jersey, a state-of-the-art at the time, 20,000-seat arena, um, playing for a New Jersey Nets team that really wasn't a, a big draw. So we may have had 4,000 people in the building uh, during my first three years in the league in New Jersey. And um, you're right. I could hear everything people <laughs> would say courtside. So well, yeah, the that, other that one, would be different. <laughs> the other one, I'm, I'm sure you remember, Jeff, during your playing career uh, in a similar situation in Washington where they didn't have, you know, a whole lot of fans. I'm sure you remember the heckler, right? I mean, yes. and you heard everything that that guy said, right? <laughs> well, he sat right behind the bench. So well, we that's were, true, uh... too. <laughs> yeah. we, they won't have that anyway. So they won't have that. It'll be interesting. Well, Alec Alex, we know this is going to be a big success. We're, we're excited about it. I think one, the bubble was a huge success. Uh, and I think one more thing for you uh, before we let you go. Um, I thought it was a huge success. All the players using their platform, fighting for social equality. And, and that led to the magic, ultimately, uh, hiring a chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer. Right? Can you just tell us how we kind of came to that decision, ultimately hiring Isu and and that impressive resume that, that he has, Alex. Yeah, so so we've hired Isu Mott, um, who comes with a vast amount of experience in, um, you know, the the discipline of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, he comes to us from the United States Tennis Association, uh, where he headed up all of uh, their diversity, equity, and inclusion programs for the eastern part of the country. And he's just got a great amount of experience. He's going to be a great addition to our organization. And you know, the, the uh, reason why we did it is we need somebody on a daily basis who um, is a subject matter expert who's going to be focused solely on diversity, equity, and inclusion, because there's so many different things that as an or organization we want to do, um, and it starts internally, right? I mean, it starts with the education of our staff, and it starts with ensuring that, you know, we have uh, equitable and inclusive uh, practices when it comes to hiring employees, uh, when it comes to promoting employees, et cetera. Um, but it's also important for us to develop programs in the local community uh, that we as an organization are, um, you know, involved with and are, are making a true impact uh, on social justice, you know, in, in the Central Florida community. And as a league, we're starting, um, you know, a number of new programs. I'm sure you saw that we created the NBA Foundation, where each one of our teams is contributing a million dollars a year for 10 years. So total of $300 million uh, that's going to be dedicated to uh, our, our markets around the country and uh, really working with organizations that um, have programs that develop economic empowerment in the black communities. Uh, and so, you know, there's going to be a lot of work to be done there in our local community. Um, and we're going to need someone to lead that. 
Um, and, and we've created this social justice task force, you know, in our organization as well, you know, for us to, um, you know, have the conversation about what we can do more uh, to, to have a positive impact, you know, in our Central Florida community and in our organization uh, when it comes to the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So Isu is going to lead all that, you know, for us. Um, you know, he's going to be one of the uh, half dozen senior officers of, of the organization. So uh, that'll tell you how important it is to us as an organization. And uh, we're looking forward to him uh, getting started and, and really helping us make an impact when it comes to uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, both within our organization, but you know, with, within our, our community as well. And we're definitely looking forward to getting to know Isu and uh, it's a great hire and a great addition. But one thing, I know Dante said that would be the last thing, but this will be the last thing before we let you go. Uh, late November, we lost uh, a, a family member, Alex, and we lost Jimmy Hewitt. Uh, just talk about what Jimmy meant. Obviously, we, there would be no us with the magic if there was no Jimmy Hewitt. So just talk about the impact that, that Jimmy made on, on everybody. Well, you know, look, the pod squad wouldn't be in existence, right? If it wasn't, you know, for Jimmy Hewitt. I mean, he no, it'd was... be out of Dante's basement. So it would, it would just, yeah. the, uh, you know, he's the founding father of the team and it was his vision and, and his spirit uh, and his tenacity that led to the Orlando Magic, you know, coming to Orlando. I mean, he worked with uh, Mayor Bill Frederick at the time and convinced him, you know, to build a new arena for our community so that we would have a chance to be able to secure uh, an NBA franchise. Um, you know, he, he went and grabbed Pat Williams uh, to, you know, to, to start the whole uh, uh, program to try and uh, gain support in the local community uh, for a Magic franchise. And then ultimately convinced the NBA, uh, not just to come to Florida, but, you know, to, to put a second team in Florida, um, uh, you know, and, and, and put one in central Florida. So, uh, he, he was a great man, um, you know, clearly uh, loved the magic, you know, and um, if it wasn't for him, you know, we, we wouldn't be here. And uh, he just loved this community. Uh, you know, he loved the organization. Um, you know, he just had a great spirit about him. Of course, everybody knows that, you know, he went by Bubba. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, he, he, he we was, all went by Bubba, Alex. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we all went by Bubba. We everybody Bubba. was called Bubba. That's right. So he's going to, he's going to be sorely missed. And, um, you know, I, I know that I have a lifelong debt of gratitude for him. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have been that, you know, 25 year old PR director in 1989 coming to a brand new expansion franchise, if it wasn't for Jimmy Hewitt. And obviously I wouldn't be sitting here uh, as the CEO of the team, you know, if it wasn't for Jimmy Hewitt. So we all owe him a, a debt of gratitude and uh, he's really good. He's going to be sorely missed. I loved his humility. I think uh, one of my favorite aspects of the whole story is the NBA at the last minute said the ownership deal we're not that comfortable with. That's when Bill DuPont came in and Jimmy Hewitt, who had done all the work, who had put this whole thing together, stepped aside and was humble and, and had the humility to step aside and let it go forward without him getting a lot of the credit. Um, that, that spoke to me always speaks volumes about Jimmy Hewitt. Yeah, without, without a doubt, David. I mean, that's how much he loved this community. And that's how much, you know, he really wanted this community to have professional sports and to have the NBA to, you know, take all of that work and, and effort uh, that, that he had and sort of step aside and, you know, not be the, 
the main owner, right? Uh, in order for the NBA to ultimately uh, approve that the franchise would come here. So you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, incredible humility, uh, but it, you know, it really showed how much, you know, he, he loved this community and, and loved this team for sure. All right. We appreciate it, Alex. It's great catching up with you. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to go. Let, let's start this season. Let's, let's get some basketball going and, and let's have a great year, everybody. Okay. Without a doubt, we're looking really looking forward to it, Dante. We're looking forward to having people back in the building and to seeing you guys in person. And um, you know, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to to get back to some sense of normalcy. But you know, hopefully, as the season goes on and the vaccine is widely uh, accessible, you know, we'll we'll get back to you know a, a real sense of some normalcy by the end of the season. Alex, so, when, the, uh, when the pandemic's over, can we still just keep Dante in like a plexiglass cube? Can we can we make sure there's just a plexiglass where he can't have contact with anybody? Sure, sure. Okay, yeah, great. We can, we can look into. Yeah, that. I awesome. think a soundproof booth booth sounds good for George. Yeah. Put him in a booth. <laughs> could be. Could be. Could be. Well, David, this, uh, David, at the game. Uh, yeah, at the game. Sure. David, I'll be sending you your map as to where your new location is. Oh, to good. Yeah, please. I'm, I'm really confused. My head hurts. <laughs> well, thank you no all very buffet. much. This has been fun. This, this no buffet thing is going to be a problem for George, too. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, this, yeah. this, is how, this is how we pay Jeff Turner. This podcast is presented to you by Kia, official vehicle of the Orlando Magic. We appreciate Jeff everything. Turner Thanks, Alex. <laughs> He's the one once a player, paid. always a player, David. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Alex. See it's, you guys. It's, it's been Alex. fun, guys. Thank you. All right. Thanks, thank Alex. you very much. All right, bye. Bye. -bye.